Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, guys. Randy, we have a special guest today. Yeah, we do. I'm super excited about this. Yeah. Uh, we got Chris Slate with us. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Why, thank you. Thanks for having me. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about your history with Star Trek? Um, well, uh, I was a huge, I guess I, I fell in love with Star Trek with, um, the next generation. I kind of missed the original series. It was, um, a, a little bit before my time and, uh, and, and next generation became my Star Trek and I followed it into deep space nine and into Voyager. Um, I haven't kept up with it as well as, as I, maybe I would have liked to have had over the years, but have a lot of fond memories watching those shows and, um, and, uh, yeah, so it was fun to kind of revisit. Um, that whole world and that whole period of, of Trekness um, watching this episode. Yep. We're going to talk about episode seven of Star Trek Voyager, Eye of the Needle. Uh, original air date, February 20th, 1995. Yeah. We're, we're not just um, talking about, well, I guess time travel is a big part of Star Trek uh, every now and again. And uh, we've definitely had a couple of time travel episodes of Voyager already. Uh, and now today we're ta- traveling back to the 90s. So it's kind of fitting. And there may or may not be some time travel involved in this episode. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> Voyager. Whoa. Guys, I know how this story ends. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> Are you Chris Slate from the future? <laughs> I am. I'm from the future. I'm from the future where this episode is actually old and we've seen it already. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were from the episode where this episode of, or the the future where this episode of Trek Trek has like created a new civilization based around Trek Trek, um, <laughs> where, where people just sit around watching old episodes of Voyager. All the women have the kind of poofy um, Janeway hair. All of the men have Chakotay tattoos on their faces. <laughs> and Abe Lincoln is still president. Oh, yeah. Anyways. Let's dive into it. So the show opens. Janeway has a captain's log, as she does. Uh, she's talking about they're searching for anomalies that they can use as a shortcut to get home. Uh, basically wormholes. Uh, it turns out Harry Kim has discovered some sort of subspace disturbance that may or may not be a wormhole, but they're very hopeful. So um, Janeway says, we got to change course. We got to find this wormhole because this could be our best way home. Uh, Tuvok, I think, is not really keen on the idea, but he's kind <laughs> he's of a real a, kill. He's a killjoy. Yeah, this entire episode, he's such a downer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Paris, you know what though? It was kind of smart because you know he didn't get his hopes up. Oh, and uh, you know I won't get to the end of the episode yet, but uh, let me just say that I think from the beginning of any episode that starts with "We may have found a way home." Uh, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> he's he's uh, seen the future, and he knows that this show runs for several seasons. <laughs> he's also watched a lot of Gilligan's Island, where they think they're going to get home. On the console, he can monitor their ratings, and they aren't low <laughs> enough yet to get home. <laughs> Paris lays on a course and says, if this is indeed a wormhole, we should call it the Harry Kim wormhole. Because, you know, Harry Kim and Paris, they're buddies. Yeah. He seemed genuinely pleased with that, too, Harry Kim. Like, yeah. really, he was really touched. I'll take that. My parents would be so proud of me. <laughs> I'll never get a promotion, but at least I get a wormhole named after me. Yeah. <laughs> um, opening credits, when we come back, they find the wormhole, and it's only about 30 centimeters in diameter. So it's a little bit small for Voyager. Mm, yeah. 
<laughs> right away, I was like, well, they didn't waste any time kind of letting the audience down. <laughs> yeah. But you would have thought, based on what they did in previous episodes, they would have just tried to, you know, shoot a photon torpedo into it or something. But maybe they learned their lesson. They only have so many photon torpedoes. They have like 37 or 38 now, by my count. Uh, two rocks suggest using the wormhole as a way to send a message to whoever's on the other side. So they're going to send out a microprobe to find out what's on the other side, but it gets stuck. And Janeway theorizes that it's because the wormhole is old and is collapsing. They find out that the probe is getting scanned by something on the other side of the wormhole. And we cut to sickbay where the doctor is treating a lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Baxter, I believe. Um, this lieutenant isn't treating the doctor with much respect. He's <laughs> basically totally ignoring the doctor and talking directly to Kess instead. Kess is now serving as the doctor's assistant, which has been going on for the last couple episodes. Let's see. We cut to a senior officer's meeting. Uh, they talk about how the probe has been scanned. Is stuck on the stuck in the wormhole and it will be crushed in seventy two hours. So there's a time limit aspect now. Mm-hmm. And this was because the wormhole was finally collapsing. Is that right? Yeah, it was old. It just couldn't couldn't do it anymore. That was just the worst luck. Like that wormhole's probably been around for a trillion <laughs> years. And it's they, like they yeah. get there the last two days of its life. Yeah. Well, at least they found it at all, right? Yeah, I you know who who wasn't in the senior officers meeting, by the way, Neelix. Yeah, that's the best part of this episode. In fact, yes, yes, Neelix isn't in it at all. What? He's so important. Why wasn't? <laughs> how could they have a, an episode without Neelix? I would think too that he he would really be needed to kind of keep you know uh, the the crew goes through a lot of. Of emotions, I'm sure. Yeah, they need their morale officer. Yeah, exactly. They needed the glue to hold them all together. Where was he? (laughs) I don't know. Um, He was probably cooking up something stupid. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) Chainway suggests using the probe as a relay to send a message to the other side. Tuvok is a pessimist about this, of course. (laughs) Yes. He's like, it's not going to (laughs) work. But Chainway is very hopeful. By the way, for a security officer, doesn't he he kind of just speak like a science officer quite a lot in this yeah. episode? That's just Vulcans. They always speak right. like science officers. Eh, we're experts on science. We we sometimes like to kind of do little side things like security and tactical. Yeah. You think at one point, you know, he would have gone like he would have been one down or too far and Jane we would have just said, like, go watch the bridge or something. I mean the <laughs> brig. <laughs> go po- go polish your phasers. Yeah. Downer. Uh, we cut to engineering where Kim and Torres are working together to, you know, get a message sent through the wormhole. Um, Kim talks a little bit about his parents and how he contacted them once a week uh, oh. before they got sent off to the Delta Quadrant. Uh, he does not talk about remembering that he was back in the womb like that other episode. <laughs> <laughs> he does talk about his parents again, though. Yeah. Oh. Like, I really want to like Kem. I, I, you know, he's sometimes he gives me kind of this Jordy vibe, like this very optimistic kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky guy. But then he just, he, he's so obsessed with his parents. I'm like, dude, <laughs> don't, don't you have any friends? Paris wants to be your friend. 
You know, why don't you talk about that cool double date you went on with Paris and the two sisters or whatever? Oh. But getting lost in the Delta Quadrant was probably good for, for Harry in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, helps him grow up know. a little bit. I know. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs a little bit of that, like, getting kicked out of the nest thing. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, a 75-year break from his family. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, we learned a little bit about Torres's past. Uh, her father left when she was five and went back to Earth. And she thinks her mom is on the Klingon homeworld, which is Kronos. Right. So her her dad is human mm-hmm. and her mom is Klingon. That's what we find out. Right? Yep. And she doesn't get along with either parent. Hmm. Well, but, maybe it could be her uh, something to do with her really cheery attitude about everything. <laughs> They're like, even they gave up. She's a little bit angry. Yeah. She never grew. They're like, oh, yeah. Belana, she's she's just a you know angsty teenager. She's gonna grow out of it like all teenagers do, and then she just never did. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that was kind of weird is that uh, Torres is like the only person, as she explains on the ship, who doesn't have any real emotional investment in going back to the Alpha Quadrant. Um, yet she's the one that ends up in the position, and in, in as the story is structured, in kind of um, trying to engineer that all to happen. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird, and maybe. Uh, since Harry Kim misses his family so much, if he'd been the one that was really making most of the discoveries, I don't know, maybe that would have been more compelling. But overall, I thought, um, and this is maybe jumping the gun a little bit, but I thought the episode, I don't know, it felt a little low risk. Mm. Well, there's that whole, you know, when they were talking about that whole thing, I, I definitely had that thought of, well, it's only like the seventh episode of the series, <laughs> so clearly it's not going to work. I mean, maybe if they had add something where, you know, some of the, the cast members went back, or I don't know, but we'll get to that, I guess. They send out a signal, and they get a response from the Alpha Quadrant. Whoa, that was fortuitous. Like, why didn't the wormhole go to, like, the Zeta Quadrant or something? <laughs> I mean, it could have. I think it would have been cool if Q answered them. That would have been great. And then he Anyways. just, like, hangs up the phone. The yeah. End. <laughs> yeah, the end. Closes the wormhole. Uh, we learn via Captain's Log that Janeway has tasked Kim with sending uh, vocal transmissions because they were just sending a subspace signal. Yeah, it was like a little... It was kind of like a text message or something. Right. And, and it got the, you got the little, like, iMessage, like, delivered <laughs> notification. <laughs> Kess enters Janeway's ready room. Because you can't forget about Kess. Mm-hmm. And people just walk into her ready room. People just walk on the bridge. It's like, she's really got to get this <laughs> this ship under control. Well, at least Neelix didn't show. True, true. But anyway, Janeway gets some uh, soup and a drink for Kess using the replicator, which I found interesting since they were talking about rationing the replicator use. Oh, yeah! Maybe, <laughs> are they trying to say that maybe they went to that planet that had all the dilithium or the antimatter or whatever? Yeah, maybe. Remember Neelix was, Neelix was talking about how there was a planet he knew of? Right, but, right. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, yeah, I just wrote a note. Like, what happened to Neelix the cook? <laughs> <laughs> maybe The replicators off. are working. See, that's that's how yeah. it worked. He was, like, off that week, which is why we didn't see him, and which is why they everybody could use the replicators, because he wasn't cooking. <laughs> Neelix was just hanging out in the hallway. <laughs> Uh, let's see, Kess tells Janeway that he's concerned about the doctor, and uh, Janeway says, he's just a hologram, you know, and Kess is like, no, he's a member of the crew, and he should be- He's alive! He should be treated with respect, and uh, Janeway considers it. 
Hmm. Yeah, so you know, I was talking um about this last night and the person I was I was talking with had a point about this and I said because I had said, you know, kind of shouldn't they kind of be treating the hologram, you know, obviously if he can um have his you know, he learns, he kind of he seems to have feelings, he's sentient, that kind of thing. Like, why aren't they just kind of treating him like data? Like, you know, no one treated data like that. I mean, some people did, but you know, none of the members of the crew treated data like he was some kind of, you know, non-entity or something. But then, um, the person I was talking with had a um, had a interesting comment which was, well, you know, he's only ever meant to be turned on for, like, emergency situations and for, like, a very short amount of time. Um, and so maybe that was part of it or, you know, they didn't, they never really considered that the, the hologram was really going to, you know, learn and become like its own kind of entity. Mm -hmm. So, and also we didn't get to see the early days of data in the Academy. So Mm -hmm. he may have treated him like that. Yeah. Yeah. He may have gotten the same kind of treatment. Yeah. I think this little, I think this little story made sense and it kind of needed to be addressed early on in the, in the first season, uh, just as Mm -hmm. part of establishing his character. But I think it was, as a viewer, you've already seen that exact same storyline with Data like a million times, right? So I felt mm-hmm. like everybody knew where the good guys would, would fall on this topic eventually. So it, it was another one of those. I think we had two stories this week that were both playing out, and you knew exactly how they were going to end the moment they started. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't too invested in the Doctor storyline, except for the fact that he's he can, he's continually the most uh, interesting and entertaining character to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he's the best comic relief. And you have two, you know, we, we, uh, Justin and I have talked about this before on the show, that, you know, you basically have him and you have Neelix, and they're two characters providing comic relief. But Neelix kind of only provides comic relief, but the Doctor actually has got some different sides to him. Yeah, and Neelix has this weird, strange kind of, like, underlying darkness and rage that comes out sometimes. <laughs> exactly! Whereas with the Doctor, you're just like, ah, oh, he's just a curmudgeon, but when, mm-hmm. when Neelix gets mad, you're kind of like, like uh, you're really uh. kind of unsettled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's an unlikable kind of uh, <laughs> kind of trait he has. Like, Snarf got angry. Snarf! <laughs> he's Space Snarf! He's Star Trek Snarf. Trek Snarf? Snarf Trek? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, so Janeway tries a voiced message, and they finally get a response from what someone who claims to be part of a cargo vessel mm. and that doesn't believe that Janeway's in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they think it's a prank call. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sure, you're in the Delta Quadrant. I love that idea that there's somebody at Starfleet who's their intelligence operation is just cold calling different Romulan numbers and saying, hey, where are you at? What are you up to? Uh, Tuvok explains that it was probably a Romulan vessel that's not a cargo ship, but probably a science ship that's on a covert mission. Mm. Covert science. This is the future. Janeway goes into the sick bay, talks with the doctor, says... Yeah, Kess is right. You are part of the crew, and maybe I'll give you controls over your deactivation. Cut to uh, Janeway sleeping. We finally see her with her hair down outside the bun. Yeah, literally with her hair down. Letting her hair down. She's got a lot of hair. That's a lot of hair. Mm-hmm. It's a mane. <laughs> She's a proud lioness. <laughs> 
Uh, she talks with the Romulan ship's captain, uh, explaining their situation and asking that the Romulan ship deliver a message to the Federation. Uh, the Romulan captain just so happens he has a signal amplifier and wants to do a visual link. Uh, so they do. I'm just imagining him thinking, wow, this captain sounds like she might be attractive. <laughs> I've been out in space for a year and I'm not going back for another year. Let me, let me get a visual on this lady. <laughs> uh, so they talk face to face. Sort of. And uh, Janeway's trying to convince the captain to get their messages to Starfleet by appealing to his... Uh, by basically ingratiating herself to him by saying, Oh, don't you have a family? Don't you miss your family? We all miss our families. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torres runs onto the bridge and says, I gotta speak to you, Janeway. I think we can get a transporter signal through this uh, amplified signal. Hmm. I noted that Janeway looks at her photo of her fiance Mark and their dog. So yeah, first time since the the um, caretaker episode. Mm-hmm. By the way, this was um, the story isn't by this person, but this episode was actually written by the same um, the same writer that wrote Caretaker. Mm. Just FYI, you, you <laughs> got to get Mark and the dog in there then. Yeah, right. They're they're pretty um, into that whole concept. In sickbay, Cass returns with her reading materials. She's finished them all because she's got a photographic memory, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very interested in anatomy, so much so that she wants to see an autopsy. It's pretty dark. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I'd, I'd really be interested in seeing an autopsy. And the doctor's kind of like, cool. <laughs> like, uh, where's this going? Her yeah, yeah. have some secret, like, past or agenda or something. Yeah. They're actually kind of the space Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, they both have this, like, darkness hidden. <laughs> oh, man. You know, if this show was on today and it wasn't, I mean, it was, like, a Ron Moore show or something, that would totally be a storyline. You'd find out that they were actually on the run and that they were, like, a Bonnie <laughs> yeah. and Clyde kind of kind of situation well, why or why are they so desperate to leave the Delta Quadrant? Yeah, true. There's a, yeah. They've got a, a price on their head at 12 systems. <laughs> People start disappearing the more Neelix cooks. <laughs> Amazing, Dark Voyager. That's <laughs> that's gonna be our rework of Voyager when we're done with this. Kess talks to the Doctor about the possibility of going back to the Alpha Quadrant, and the Doctor reveals that he can't go. His systems are integrated in the sick bay, uh, uh-huh. so they can't put him on a USB drive and take him over. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. Yeah, it was interesting. They, they basically can't download him. And um, that that had me actually thinking about this whole concept that really hasn't been revisited um, since it was brought up in the pilot, which is that the Voyager is kind of a new type of ship and that it has like neural tissue as part of it. Mm -hmm. Like it actually has organic neural networking, um, which, you know, I'm pretty positive is going to come up in a later episode. Yeah, it definitely hasn't come up at all uh, Mm -mm. so far. Um, Yeah. So they test the transporter with this cylinder that has organic and inorganic materials. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. It looks like it's not going to at first. And uh, I actually, one of the notes I made was that the captain of the Romulan vessel was pretty trusting of these people. Like, yeah. here's this, like, we're not, you know, we're not really 
we're not ally, you know, and or Starfleet rather isn't allies with the the Romulans really um, at this point, and uh, they're basically saying we want to teleport this canister over to your <laughs> to your ship. Janeway um, has a very trustworthy face. Yeah, I <laughs> after, guess so. After they met face to face, he was like, I can trust her. Mm-hmm. They didn't even beam it to like the beaming room. They beamed it like right to the guy's <laughs> desk, desk, right under his yeah. head. <laughs> They I did. Just, somebody should do an edit where, like, right as he smiles, it just blows up. <laughs> the end. Amazing. Janeway wants to try transporting someone to the Romulan ship, but the captain won't allow it. He says mm-hmm. no Federation members on his ship. Um, so he volunteers to transport himself to Voyager. So they try beam him over. There's some difficulties, some phase alignment stuff, but uh, they eventually manage to get him. And uh, he shows up on Voyager. Tuvok discovers that the phase variance during the transporter process is because the captain's from the past. Uh, 20 years in the past, to be precise. Uh-oh. That sounds oh, like man. a problem. Uh, yeah, so Voyager has... They, the Voyager senior officers have a big uh, meeting saying, well, we can't go back because we can't go back to 20 years in the past. Although Kim is like, why not? Why can't we just go back? And we learn that Harry Kim uh, is 22 years old at this point because mm-hmm. Paris says you'd only be two. if we. Went I didn't quite get that comment because is he, is he suggesting that if they went back, then Harry Kim's consciousness would leave his current body and go back into his two-year-old body? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but uh, now that you mention it, that kind of makes not doesn't make sense, but seems like what he was getting at. I think the major problem that they didn't bring up was that there'd be two versions of of everyone. Of everyone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be like uh, what's his name? Remember on Next Generation when um when Riker? There's a duplicate made of him. Oh yeah, Thomas Riker. <laughs> Thomas Riker goes on to basically be his own like separate person. Who was a, he was in the Maquis. That's right. Bringing it back to Voyager. Yeah. Too bad he wasn't with Chicote, and we could have had someone familiar on the show. Yeah, that would have been really interesting, actually. They asked the Romulan captain to not reveal anything he's learned about the future. He agrees because he doesn't want anything that could possibly harm the Romulan Empire. Um, he doesn't want to know. He's like Doc Brown. He doesn't want to know about the future. <laughs> yeah, don't tell me. I don't want to know about it. Uh, he suggests telling the Federation to not send Voyager on their mission, but mm-hmm. Chakotay says, well, we've impacted the Delta Quadrant so much already that if we don't come to the Delta Quadrant, a lot of things will happen. Uh, primarily that the Kazon would take over the caretaker's array and wipe out the Okampa. Uh, really, though? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of a bad person because I would have been just like, look, we've already interfered. We've already broken the prime directive. You know, we could just we could undo it. You know, we could just retcon the whole Delta Quadrant. But anyways, I'm guessing, by the way, that they never share this whole line of, of logic and thinking with the rest of the crew, because if, if it just came down to, well, yeah, we, we could all transport over. Yeah, we'd be 10 years in the past. But I think a lot of people would think, well, that's better than spending the next 75 years on this ship. At least we'd be home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think if a lot of people knew the reasonings, there'd probably be, I don't know, a mutiny or or, or at least a, a strong vocal, you know, difference in opinion. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, oh, well, we just, we, we can't go because then, you know, the folks over in the Delta Quadrant will have, you know, suffered a little bit. <laughs> Most of the crew probably would have said what I did, which is like, who cares? <laughs> yeah. We, we want to be off this ship. Hey, this is the utopian future of Star Trek. Wow, true. Everyone people, is altruistic. Yeah, everyone thinks about others more than themselves. The good of the many outweighs the good of the few or the one. Exactly. Uh, Janeway asked the captain to get messages to their families uh, in the, after 20 years has elapsed. So it's kind of like in the end of Back to the Future 2 when Marty sends the, or when Doc sends the letter to Marty mm-hmm. from the past. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the Romulan's like, yeah, I'll do that. Roman captain goes back to his ship. He's got the messages. And then Tuvok, Debbie Downer Tuvok, <laughs> says, well, Captain, um, that Romulan, he died four years ago. <laughs> uh, there's no way to know if our messages got delivered. Effectively making the entire episode pointless. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, We're back I mean, to square one. Yeah. I mean, I guess they wouldn't know. They'd have no way of knowing if the messages got delivered because they were still in the Delta Quadrant. But it could have been delivered. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna be a Tuvok. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be positive, and I'm gonna assume that they were delivered. We cut back to Sick Bay, the lieutenant from before. Uh, he's back with an exercised inju- exercising injury. Hmm. This guy gets de- injured a lot, by the way. Oh, he does strenuous exercise. He's you know, the doctor asserts himself and says, "You should be speaking to me, not to Kess. Uh, speak to me directly." Uh, the doctor realizes that he must act as part of the crew, and then he asks Kess to ask Janeway for some supplies that they need for sick bay, and he also wants a name. Mm. And that's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he ever gets a name. Hmm. <laughs> it's been so long since I've seen it. I honestly can't remember what his name is. Is it a spoiler if you guys tell me now, or should we wait until next episode? I don't. I don't uh, remember if he gets a name. Huh. Yeah, you know, I looked into this actually because I'm. I don't know. I'm a weird. I'm a on again, off again spoiler, and he apparently never receives a name. Um, his name. He's based on, we learned, I think it was last episode, that he's based on a real doctor um, from Starfleet named Zimmerman. Um, but he's never given that name, Zimmerman. Who, um, by the way, I think is the name of one of the people who worked on the show. Um, so it's kind of a tribute to that person. Mm. Huh. Yeah, so what do we all think? Uh, let's start with Chris. I thought it was, um, I don't know, a so-so episode. Like I said, I, I think, and and this is inherently in, in, i mean i didn't like hate voyager it wasn't my favorite i mean especially because deep space nine was getting really good um as voyager mm-hmm. went on uh i, I much preferred that show and, and while it lasted star trek next generation um but i think the inherent flaw with the show is anytime an episode is predicated on we might have found a way home you automatically know how that episode ends you know that they don't get home yet so it's hard to get really invested in it and and the stakes weren't super high because they weren't really – well, I guess for a, a bit of the show, they had a chance of getting home. But for the most part, it was just about sending letters back home. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I think on the plus side, it made a sense, you know, especially coming – you can't have – you know, the first few episodes of, of a new show can't 
be slam bam action every every one and this was a chance for some character building but i just feel like it didn't go deep enough in any kind of way and ultimately ended up being somewhat forgettable because it didn't really seem to have any lasting effects except for i guess you could argue the doctor but again i thought his episode or his story arc was so kind of done with data and you know any other life form that picard happened to find and in which they debated whether or not you know he, he was his own entity that I felt like, um, even though the doctor made some steps forward, uh, they weren't terribly interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't disagree, mm-hmm. but this is still the best episode of Voyager so far. <laughs> right. I mean, that's kind of the, the, my feeling exactly, is that I agree with Slate in terms of, you know, in the grand scheme of Trek, um, it's definitely everything that you said. Uh, but in terms of Voyager, I felt that it was the best episode so far. I mean, we're only seven episodes in, but... Um, yeah, I will say there was nothing especially egregious in it. Like, there was mm-hmm. no really annoying part or, you know, Neelix <laughs> popping in and doing something that really made you yes, want to stop watching. The no Neelix really helped. Um, but also... Yeah, that's a note I had, by the <laughs> way, was basically is, you know, it's like a best episode yet. No Neelix, question mark. <laughs> uh, it's interesting that this was kind of another time travel episode, though. Yeah. They've had, I think this is the third time, um, episode that involves time travel. Mm-hmm. Third or fourth? No, I guess third. Third I, I, in seven episodes? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, do you have anything you want to promote? Do you have a Twitter that people can reach you at? Uh, I do know. You mentioned it at Chris Slate. Um, it's very inactive. So, <laughs> so you'll definitely <laughs> want to check it out. You. I see uh, stuff from you every once in a while. And yeah. now you're going to be able to talk about Trek Trek on there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll have to, you know, um, mention Trek Trek. Uh, and, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I love talking about Smash, uh, Smash Bros, uh, for 3DS and Wii U. Uh, that's one of my little passions, Nintendo gaming in general. And that stuff's mm-hmm. gotten me excited. I've been tweeting about some of that lately. So, Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll step up my efforts there. And then I'll obviously, um, I work at MacLife.com, um, and, and also run an editorial as well in MacLife magazine. So check those out. Yeah. If you're into Apple products, um, you can do no better than those two sources. <laughs> so we're all Mac fans here. And just one last thing, uh, uh, if you want to see, uh, all three of us, uh, do our best work together, you can always go back and read old issues of PSM PlayStation magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Go find them out there somewhere. Go find them out in my uh, in my storage. <laughs> I have all my old magazines. <laughs> Reminisce with us, the glory days of gaming. Ah, uh, yeah. So thanks for joining us, Chris. Um, thanks for having me. I think that's a show. Next week we're going to talk about ex post facto. Hmm. Maybe ex post Neelixo. I don't mm. know. I'm guessing Neelix will be back. Unfortunately, Unfortunately. that's Uh probably true. Uh No, yeah, I can't wait. I wonder if there'll be time travel involved, too. (laughs) Time travel plus Neelix. That's the recipe for a Star Trek Voyager episode. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.